I've asked Linda to read this morning's scripture for us, so why don't we pull out our Bibles and follow along as Linda reads from Psalm 13. Good morning. This is Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. This is Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. I thank you. Well, this past week has been an emotional week for many people in the Bay Area and in the country, and maybe even saying for the world. A lot of people have been shocked, have been upset, maybe even to the point of being angry and confused after the presidential election this past Tuesday. And if you're just following media and in the news, there has been many protests, many demonstrations throughout the country and even here in Oakland. And we're starting to hear more reports of terrible attacks and persecutions about, of people who are on the margins, people of color, and the last thing uh, or I want to note is that when I look around the room, many of us fit that category. And so this is a disturbing thing that's happening in our country, and Pastor Andrew just prayed for our country, and we'll have to continue to do that. And as Christians, what is our response to this? You know, the Bible is really wise in giving us instructions that during times like this, it's important to, to be quick to hear to be slow to speak, and to be slow to anger. And so those are good words for us to, to, to acknowledge. And, and as, as a church, and as a church leadership, we're gathering our thoughts, and Pastor Andrew is gathering his thoughts, and he will address this more in the message next week. And so you can pray for him as he seeks guidance from God, as he delivers our response to what's happening in the country. But specifically for me, this morning, my purpose is to bring closure to the 40 days of spiritual renewal, of the 40 days of prayer and fasting that we've been all joined and going together with, how we have been trying to satisfy our hunger with more of God during our times of devotion, during our quiet times, during our times of reflection. And in my message this morning, I have two primary things, two things I want to have done, and that's my intent. The first thing is to address a question that many of you have given us feedback in the last 40 days or so. Some of you have said that during your fasting, during your prayer times, you really haven't experienced anything different. You haven't experienced anything new, and you haven't felt God has spoken to you that God seems to be silent. And the second issue that I kind of want to address with my message today is a, 
is whether you're upset about the election this past week. And I venture to guess some in this room are dealing with other life issues that are causing you to be frustrated, angry, uh, maybe even uh, lost and have no hope. And you just want to yell and scream and, and just to vent. Well, I hope that, that my word today to you will be encouraging and will be helpful and inspiring. So before I, I get into God's word for us this morning, let me pray for us as we prepare for what is to come. Heavenly Father, as I come before you and as our people are here gathered in your name, may you help us to hear, may you help us to see, may you help us to know what you want us to know. And most especially, Lord, I ask that you help us to feel in our hearts exactly what you feel in your heart. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, when we're frustrated, when we're angry, we just want to blow off some steam, right? I mean, everybody can admit to that. There are times it's, it's just something we got to do. And in many ways, it's healthy because it's really bad to keep it all those feelings, those emotions all pent up. To appropriately release it, it's a good thing. And, and it's important when we do vent, when we do blow our tops, when we do yell and scream, we make sure we do it appropriately in an appropriate place, but also maybe with the appropriate person or people. Because you can't just vent to anybody, because that could be hurtful to whoever you're venting to or blowing steam with, or they can't handle it and they misunderstand what you're saying. So it's very wise, before you blow off your steam, to pick the right place and the right people. Just to have a little bit of fun, I think I, I have a picture here of when I uh, proposed to Terry, my wife. Is it up there? Yeah. That's actually at the moment when Terry said, yes. So, yeah, it's back in the day, we did take selfies, right? So that's a, a version of a selfie there. But when Terry made that promise to marry me, to commit to me, she probably didn't realize that she was also agreeing to be my venting post, right? And so, that, whatever, 30 years later, she's probably beaten, battered by all my venting. Because as a, uh, as, a, as a man, as a father, as, as a dentist, as a pastor, for sure, there are plenty of times I've vented. And Terry has been my safe place to do that. And that's important. And so for those that maybe it's not your spouse, maybe you don't have a spouse or, or, or a significant other, maybe it's a friend or maybe it's a significant um, sibling. But it's necessary to find those kind of people to be able to safely vent. And that's okay. Now, the question I have, can we vent to God? Is it okay to yell and scream and say nasty things to God? Sure. I think it's okay. Because the Bible is full of people who have done that. So if they can do that, then I give permission to all of you that you can do that too. You can vent to God. And 
Pastor Andrew mentioned a couple of weeks ago, during times of spiritual dryness, it's actually an appropriate time. I think one of the first things he said you can do when you feel spiritually dry is to go ahead and yell and scream at God. And during times of uh, uh, wanting to vent and being angry and wanting to yell and scream, you don't have to do it when you're just in a, a spiritual desert. You can do it when you are genuinely, genuinely frustrated or discouraged or unhappy. Those are times when it's okay to vent to God. And that's why I chose Psalm 13 this morning for us. Because Psalm 13, when you, you, it's written by David, King David, you know, the superstar rock star of, of the nation of Israel. David in Psalm 13 is venting to God. In verses 1 through 4, David says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. In those four verses, David is just letting it go. He's just venting to God. And he's saying, God, why do you forget me now? Where are you? Why, and and, and why, why do you think David is, is all bent out of shape here? What's he upset about? The context of Psalm 13, uh, scholars say, is he's writing this in the midst of, of King Saul trying to find David to kill him. So David is on the run. And, and the, the king of, of Israel, King Saul, is trying to kill David. So that's pretty good reason to be upset, right? That you know that someone's chasing you down and they want to kill you. And, and, it's, and they're getting close. They're really close. Because David is saying in these verses, I think I'm going to die unless somebody saves me. And, and so David, in his, his distraught state, in his stress, he's venting to God. And that's where the big idea for my message is going to come. And if you're going to remember anything, I want you to remember this for my message. When God seems silent, he is just waiting for you to be quiet. Sounds like a paradox, right? And actually, to kind of ingrain this in you, can you repeat it? Right now, say it right after me. When God seems silent, he is just waiting for you to be quiet. Interesting statement I'm making there. But it's the truth. Because why must we be quiet? And why must David learn to be quiet now? It's important because in that quietness, it is a time when we can reflect, practice reflection. In a post, one of our, our congregation members um, was Dion, and, and Dion posted this thing, which I, 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 it helped me in my message prep. He, 
he quoted John Dewey. John Dewey is a, a pioneer in educational reform in, in the United States, in America. And John Dewey said this, we do not learn from experience, we learn from reflecting on experience. We don't learn by experience, we learn on, by reflecting on experience. Very critical to understand, because in our culture, you know, now we're, we're saturated by so much information, so much data, so much internet, so much media, that we, we are an overload. And it's really hard for a lot of us to just calm down, slow down, detox, unplug, just to be quiet. We're always in a rush. Everything we want is we want instantaneously, like right now. Uh, a funny thing, um, just to show, is like a metaphor of our times. This past week, I, I got a haircut, and, and my stylist said, you know, Calvin, you know, your, your hair color is really popular today. <laughs> and I said, are you kidding me? And then at that moment, she says, yeah, you see those two young college students? And they're dying their hair gray. <laughs> you know, it takes years to do this. <laughs> and you can't just instantaneously get the same result by just dyeing it. But apparently that's the trend today is that young people can't wait to have their hair gray, so they dye it gray. It's kind of ridiculous, but <laughs> whatever. And I just want to say that when we're trying to, to, to listen to God, right, when we're trying to hear God, and when we have this statement, when, when God seems silent, I want to mention to some of you all that maybe you just can't hear him because you've either lost the skill to listen, or you just haven't developed certain special skills, certain special senses to hear God. And, and just to kind of demonstrate what, what I'm saying is that sometimes when a sound, there, there is a sound, because we didn't hear the sound, it doesn't mean that the sound did not, did not exist. I'll say it again. When, when there's a sound that's emitted, just because we don't hear that sound, doesn't mean that the sound didn't happen. So I need two volunteers. I need someone who's 20 or younger. If you don't come up, I'm going to call you because I kind of know who I was. And then I need somebody who is 40 and above. So someone older than 20. Let's make this quick. Uh, I, I think I see Stephen Shelnut, right? And then Art will do it. Come on up. Hey, hey. Thank you, Art. Stephen. There's an app. It's, it, it gives off mosquito sounds. Uh, we were playing around this on a fishing trip. I think Warren showed me this. This is fun. So actually, as you age, which is kind of depressing on my end, you lose the ability to hear certain sounds. So I'm going to play some sounds for these gentlemen, and, and uh, if it plays out right, it should demonstrate what I'm trying to prove here. Now, this is a sound that probably everybody should be able to hear. Right? That tone is actually happens to be the same one that's used for national distress. 
So that's why it's at a frequency that pretty much everybody should be able to hear that, unless you're, you're physically deaf, which is uh, also the case. But here's a sound that if you're 70 years old, you should be able to hear this. <laughs> All right, let's get a little more challenging. This one is for only 40 years or below. <laughs> See? So uh, that's uh, a demonstration. I don't even have to go down to 20. But here, let, let's, since Stephen's here. Yes, it does. Here's, here's for a 20-year-old. And then it goes all the way down that there are sounds that a, only a 10-year-old can hear. And then I'm not going to play that because sometimes they say that when babies hear it, they'll start screaming. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. So what, what I just demonstrated there is that just because a sound is emitted and we say we didn't hear it, it doesn't mean that the sound didn't exist. And the same thing when we sit before God and we say, well, God is silent. It doesn't mean he, he wasn't speaking to you. You just didn't hear it. And my encouragement to you at times like this is that maybe you just got to rehone your skills again, uh, learn a different kind of sense. Because if we're dependent on our human eyes, our human ears, our human feelings and taste, it may not pick up on God because God is not human. God's supernatural. He's spiritual. And we're going to have to develop spiritual senses to be able to, to pick up on what God is trying to say to us. And, and, and my whole point here is that during reflection, if we believe what John Dewey is saying, is that during reflection is a time that we learn, that it's important to do what David is doing here. Because if you look at the scripture, the first step that, 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 that um, David does is that he says he remembers. He remembers how good God is. Because he, there's a kind of a switch in two parts of that Psalm 13. The first part, verses 1 to 4, David is, is venting, and, and he's just angry. But all of a sudden, in verse 5, the tone switches. He becomes uh, more hopeful. He has a positive attitude. And so why, what happened between verse 4 and verse 5? And if we look at those verses four, uh, 5 and 6, verses 5 and 6, we'll get an idea of what's happening to David. And my belief is David has been reflecting. After he yelled and screamed to God, he began to have quiet time to reflect. And it results in, in what he shares in verse 5 and 6. I mean, that's common sense to a lot of us, right? When somebody's yelling and screaming, when we're yelling and screaming, it's really hard to hear, right? We don't really listen when we're yelling and screaming. It's only when we stop yelling and screaming, then we can hear other people speak to us or in our own uh, reflection, we can think about certain things. But when, in the moment when we're yelling and screaming, that's not usually the best time to receive anything. So we must be quiet. And from Psalm 13, it says that 
I believe, David is, begins to remember. Because in verse 6, in verse 6, he says, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. He was yelling and screaming, where are you, God? And all of a sudden, in verse 6, he says, he has been good to me. Has been. It's the pers- present perfect progressive tense. That's grammar, I guess. And it describes an action that has happened in the past sometime and is continuing to happen currently and will happen sometime in the future. So when the, the translation says, has been good to me, it's something referring to something that's happened in the past, continuing on currently, and may happen in the future. So David is realizing that God has been good to him. And what does it mean to be good? Good means to be generous, to be kind, to be beneficial, affirming. Those are all synonyms for the adjective good. And so how do, how do we remember? How do we remember things? Because apparently David is remembering how good God has been to him. For a lot of us, right, it, maybe it's a, it's a song. When there's a particular song, it brings back a particular memory. Maybe it's photos. Photos record memories for us. Uh, for others, it's certain objects. I personally don't really, I, oh, actually, yeah, I've never bought any piece of jewelry for myself, right? So even the, the ring I have, this is one of the jewelry that I actually wear. It's a gift from me from my wife, Terry, right? And, and it is something that has a symbol, a memory. It is given to me on the day we got married, on our wedding day. It's a symbol of commitment that we've made that we would uh, live till death do we part. And so this ring has memory attached to it. And, and I think I have a photo of the three other rings I have in my life. And I, I didn't buy any of these. And, and that, in that photo, those are three rings the first one is the one given to me by my parents when I graduated from college. Then the one in the center is one that holds a great deal of memory to it because it's given to me by one of my aunts when I graduated from dental school. And that piece of jade is, it holds memory, precious memories to me because it belonged to my grandmother. Uh, she had a jade bracelet that apparently fractured. And so my aunt took a piece of it and gave it to me on my graduation, and then I set it, had it, my mother's had it set into a ring. And then the final ring on the far right uh, in the picture was given to me by Terry's grandmother. And it was, a, it's a ring that has my Chinese name on it, and Terry's grandmother gave each one of her grandsons one of those rings. And when she gave me that, that ring, when I was marrying Terry, it was her way of telling me that I am now one of her grandsons. And so those are the objects that I hold precious because they hold significant memory for me. For many of us, it may not be those kind of objects. Maybe it's actually a note, maybe a journal entry. And and if you've been doing this, I've been doing that in the last 40 days, we encourage you to do uh, joy point journaling, something that Pastor Andrew encouraged all of us to do. 
and he asked us to do those questions, right, to, to, to write down whenever we felt alive or when we felt joy or maybe when we felt closest to Jesus, to, to uh, jot those things down so that when we are maybe discouraged, maybe when we're angry, maybe we're upset, maybe we're lost, and we can go back into our journals and then look on particular days some of the writings that we recorded when we felt alive, when we felt joy, when we felt close to Jesus. And that, was, that, that is really helpful for us to be able to do that because in that way we can then remember, remember good things in the past. I know during... Um, uh, my, my experience is for, uh, 40, these past 40 days during this, uh, our time of uh, prayer and fasting, uh, I have to admit that I really enjoyed myself. You know, at my age, a lot of times there aren't times that, you know, you get kind of bored and you just kind of go through the routine. But for whatever reason, these past 40 days, it's been pretty exciting for me to actually look forward to my quiet times. That that maybe it was Pastor Andrew's three questions, that I really wanted to engage in those questions. And I did that in the last 40 days. And, and, and when I delayed it, because I'm not perfect, there are some days I missed it, that I would really feel something was missing from me. And I would look forward to doing it again the following day. And during those times, there were times where it forced me, especially times when when... You're looking at a day, you say, well, I didn't really feel like I was really close to Jesus this day. That in those times, actually, I benefited the most. That it forced me to think of something. And in the process where I felt not really close, God actually said things to me which were affirming and encouraging. For example, during this 40 days, I was on vacation, right? I was on vacation in Hawaii, which, again... Uh, there's nothing to complain about Hawaii. <laughs> and, and, but part of Terry and I's kind of ministry, when we go on vacation, we like to invite other families to join us so that they can share the experience. Also, we get to have community. Uh, some of you have joined me on vacations like that. But, you know, on the downside, when you go on vacation, sometimes you don't want to be with other people. And, but... We've made that commitment. So there are things, times during a vacation when you just want to kind of chill. But then the other people kind of <laughs> damage that, that, that the time. <laughs> I'm trying to pick my words really carefully here. <laughs> but this past one, there, this other family had a very young son. And, and he's just six years old. And, and a six-year-old is kind of rambunctious. They got a lot of energy. They just want all your attention. And, you know, my kids are all grown up. So uh, that, those, that stage is gone. And so to have a little six-year-old just kind of hanging around and wanting to play, it's just not something I, I can do 24-7. <laughs> the, I'm too old for that. <laughs> and, and so there, uh, we were at a parking lot, and... Um, I opened the door on the driver's side to get out because I was driving. And the kid slammed the door on my toe. And so I didn't swear. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I, I, I said, ah, I screamed. I said, ouch, I mean, that hurt because I have a bad toe. I have a bad uh, left foot toe that's been uh, damaged playing basketball because for whatever reason, it gets stubbed or people step on it. So my left toe, big toe hurts like crazy when anything hits it. And so he, the kid, kid slapped the toe on my toe. And so during my quiet time, uh, so I didn't yell and scream at the kid. I just told him, you just hurt my toe. Just leave me alone and let me, <laughs> let me just recover. But in my quiet time, when it came to the part where it says, you know, being feeling close to Jesus, I said, you know, God, I was really upset. And I'm being really, you know, impatient with this, this, this kid. And then I heard from God, said, you know, in many ways, I have been patient with you, Calvin. And so my heart kind of turned, and I looked, it looked at myself and said, you're right. That in many ways, God has been so patient with me, and I should then learn to have patience with others. And that's just kind of a story that, I, that I'm sharing from my, my 40 days that was, was an amazing word from God. During our home group, uh, I had a debriefing session with my home group members and just asked, how did you respond to any of those three questions? And one of the great stories that, that, that someone shared was that she loved her cat. That every day in the morning, she would let her cat out and the cat would go out of the house, and she would not know if the cat would ever return home. And the cat was precious to her. And when the cat returned home, she would feel a lot of joy. So that was an example she wanted to share about joy. And, but just quickly after that, then she said, but you know, I also felt a little convicted. And this is kind of the Jesus moment, is that she said, why don't I feel the same when my husband comes home? We all kind of laugh, but there is some, some seriousness to that, is that we sometimes forget about our loved ones and the preciousness that they do come home each day, each night. And we not to forget that and not appreciate that that God somehow will return our loved ones safely home to us each evening and thank God for that and have the gratitude to remember that. When we remember how good God has been to us, then we will trust. Because in verse 5, David, after ranting and raving for four verses, says, but I will trust in your unfailing love. Verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. That's a big statement to say. There is nothing noted in Psalm 13 that God actually said anything to, to David. David, uh, under best assumptions, is figuring this out on his own. So that's why I'm saying he's reflecting. And he comes to the conclusion, even though he's feeling desperate, Nearing death, he's just saying, but I will trust in your unfailing love. I have to be honest. Personally, it's really hard for me to trust people totally or in human understanding, uh, human in, in, uh, institutions. Uh, just because as, as humans, none of us are perfect. There is no human institution that's perfect. 
Many of us have stories that, about people who we trusted. They have disappointed us. And we've had authority figures in our lives, whether secular, business, uh, education, family, that have failed us and caused us to be discouraged, maybe even hurt us. But that's the human, human state. And especially what's happened this week, apparently we have a presidential elect that a lot of us may not trust because the track record doesn't look really good. But that's different for God. For me, God is trustworthy. That I can fully trust God based on his character, which is unchanging, and also on his track record. Because at least in my experience, God has always been trustworthy and faithful to me. From the testimony of those in the scripture and from the saints in the church, many have testified to, to his faithfulness and his trustworthiness. And the most important thing that God can be trusted is because what he did through his son Jesus. And what that uh, occurrence happened, it's unerasable. It's a fact. It's a mark that we all can trust on what was done on the cross for us. And when we begin to, to trust God, God will bless us. And, and that's what David is saying. He says this in, in verse 5. My heart rejoices in your salvation. David says, I will rejoice in, in your salvation. And, and what is salvation? Salvation simply means to be saved, right? To be uh, saved from harm, ruin, or loss. And, and in the immediate context for David, he trusts God to save him from King Saul, who's hunting him down to kill him. So there's an immediate thing. But also David is referring to an eternal salvation. No matter what happens, he knows God will take care of him forever. And from a Christian's perspective, from one who follows Jesus Christ, our salvation is being saved from our own sin and from death itself. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a done deal. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, it's done. And it's done for us. And that's uh, something that's given, credited to God. And that's his track record of how he is trustworthy to us because he's done it already. And that's what we're going to be doing today. That we are going to remember Jesus' Jesus' precious gift to us. That he went to the cross so that he would die for our sin, for our brokenness. So that we can be reconciled back to God. And receive fully the grace and mercy that God has for us through the gift of eternal life. And, and we're going to do that through um, Holy Communion. And, and, and actually we're going to do something unusual today. You see the elements presented on the tables in front of me. But we're not going to have communion here. We're actually going to have communion during Holy Chow, during our lunch. And in some ways, it is to be faithful to the way that, De that Jesus did it. 
because during his last supper, during his last meal with his, his disciples, he interrupted the meal to have communion with them. And so we're going to do that later today. So I hope you'll be able to stay and enjoy that, that uh, celebration and remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. So going back to my big idea, when God seems silent, he is just waiting for you to be quiet. Psalm 42, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And in that quietness, we can then reflect to remember. And to remember then helps us to rebuild, rekindle trust. And when we trust God, God will bless us. And he blesses us with a salvation that has been already guaranteed by the blood of Jesus Christ. When we were um, having our 40-day um, spiritual adventure, the 40 days of satisfying our hunger with God, we had a prayer retreat. And at the prayer retreat, we had Pastor Aaron Roy, who's a, a pastor of a partner church in Richmond with us, and he was teaching and sharing about his experience where he, uh, earlier this year, went on a 40-day food fast. He actually abstained from food and just sustained himself with uh, a nasty spinach juice <laughs> that he would drink each day just to, to give him some nutrients. And during that 40 days, he said, yeah, there were ups and downs and there were times of encouragement and discouragement, days he backslid and he, he broke his fast and he would then come crying to God for forgiveness. But at the end of that 40 days, on the 41st day, he said that was the worst now, you would think at the end of 40 days of fasting that the 41st day would be great. He actually said, I think he went out and had a lot of hamburger. And then because if you haven't eaten in 40 days, that kind of food, he actually upsets, had an upset stomach. And I think he said he was throwing up a lot. And that happens. So you got to be careful when you come off of those things not to quickly jump into greasy food again. But on the 41st day, he said he felt really depressed. And maybe he said that was the enemy attacking him spiritually. But he was saying he thought he wasted his 40 days. You know, he didn't have any epiphanies, nothing fantastic to come away with those 40 days of not eating. And in that depression, God spoke to him and said, you know, Aaron, in those 40 days, I really enjoyed my time with you. Isn't that cool? that God spoke to him and said, where Aaron was thinking, oh, I'm going to do some amazing things. I'm going to get some amazing revelation, something miraculous is going to accomplish. Didn't happen. But God reminded him the important thing is that Aaron spent time with God. And God said that to him. That was most precious to me. God does not necessarily look solely at the end point and in and end results, but is pleased with effort and journey. So my encouragement, even these 40 days are over and we're bringing a closure to it as a church, I encourage you to continue to, to seek after God, to lean into him, spend time with him. And even though God seems silent, in those times of quietness, in those times of reflection, allow God to say to you, it is good for me to be with you.
So let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be still, God, so that we can receive from you. Teach us to remember, to trust, so we can be blessed. Lord, you are an amazing God. Your track record is is amazing. It's incomparable to anything that human mankind can bring to it. And so we trust, Lord, with our lives. We trust you with our church. We trust you with our nation. For these are times that we desperately need you more. So I thank you for this time. May your word not return void. So I thank you in Jesus' name.